Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We're your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, coming to you with a whole lot more listeners and viewers than HBO Max's Peacemaker, which tells you something about the viewership for Peacemaker. And uh, I'm D.T. Catman, and I'm about as tall as John Cena. <laughs> you wish no he's not a tall dude is he not a tall dude they make he's him look th- tall well he's huge so nobody's i know with him, but he's not that tall <laughs> Amy I mean, he's not like the though. rock who like towers over people and that's that is true that's probably why we've never seen john cena and the rock in the same scene together haven't we not entirely sure they've ever been in the same movie together. They probably have been in the ring together, though. Well, John Cena wasn't. Was he in WWE, WCW or no? WWE? He was WWE, but The Rock would come in. You know, he's The Rock. He'd come back from time to time, right? Because he's the he's the fucking Rock, <laughs> third generation <laughs> yeah. pro wrestler. He can't he can't leave well enough alone. <laughs> no. Hey, The Rock, quite a sci-fi legacy in and of himself. Oh my god, yes. Let's see, The Island 2, uh, Jumanji, uh, let's see, what was his television debut? He was in debut? Voyager. I was, that's what I was kidding about. I was... But I believe his <laughs> actual television debut was playing his dad. Robert oh my god, Johnson, you're right! In the, that 70s show. You are so correct! It's just him with a... Cheesy mustache and a huge afro. You are absolutely right. That was his television debut, playing his father. Oh Which my god! Cool. That's a cool gig. It. That's a cool gig to do. And they based the character of Maui from uh, from Mo- Moana. Uh, Moana. The design of Maui is based partially on his grandfather, High Chief Peter Maivea, who was. A pro wrestler, so. Well, there we go. And I, I'd say but Moana the is the... in that ridiculous Doom movie. Oh my God, he still loved that. He loved making that movie, and he loved promoting that movie. Yeah. Plus, <laughs> another Star Trek alum, Carl Urban. Oh, Carl Urban. Well, not the same Star Trek, but yeah. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I love Carl Urban as as Doctor McCoy. I think he was awesome. <laughs> I think I love he nailed it as I think he nailed the character as good as anybody. I loved Carl Urban when he was on Xena Warrior Princess in 1998 playing uh, was it like Caesar or something like yes, that? Yes, he played Caesar. <laughs> Julius Caesar. Well, cuz he was what is he he's Australian, right? Uh New Zealand. He's he's a Kiwi. Right. He's a Kiwi. Um he was he was uh he played Xena's intellectual match, which I enjoyed seeing. And you know, it was it was nice to see a, a dude that was a bad guy that wasn't a fool or cartoonish brute. You know what well, I mean? That, that was a lot of those Hercules and Xena films. That was every single one. <laughs> Although they both had Bruce Campbell. Yes, they did. Autolycus. <laughs> the king of thieves. <laughs> the king of thieves. Might as well. <laughs> and he dressed in green. <laughs> I mean, and he had a goatee similar to what Errol Flynn had in. Oh the... yeah, it was complete cartoonish. <laughs> oh my like, god. You no, know, he he's, he was boys with Raimi, so it was like, oh okay, so here's here's more Bruce. Yep. Yep. And Bruce stole every scene he was ever in. Oh, he really he was the king of thieves. He was so great. <laughs> yeah. That show was so great. But if you look at it, we just talked about The Rock and Carl Urban, both of whom have had legit sci-fi credit. Both, I mean, both, both were both in a both were in a movie called Doom. Right. About the video <laughs> Different <game>. movies. <laughs> no, they were both in the same movie. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. This is me messing up the way I typically do. Uh, Carl Urban played Judge Dredd in Dredd. He did. He did. Apparently, he's still trying to get a sequel to that off the ground. <laughs> but, huh. you know, the, 
They both are in Star Trek. You know, I would love, I'd love to see The Rock come back to Star Trek as like, what, you know, Katsi player or something. Ah, fuck that! Just have him put a Klingon, like a Worf style Klingon. It's sad that you have to say Worf style Klingon, but yeah, that would be pretty sweet. Hashtag He'd smile my so Klingon. much. He'd smile so much. <laughs> It might, he might not be able to pull off Klingon. I'm not entirely sure he can arch that eyebrow the way he likes to with those makeup. Oh, he could. No, no. They oh, I'm would, sorry. That's right. They would make sure it would I happen. Would be under, I would, I'm completely selling the rock short. My do apologies. Not, do not underestimate the power of his eyebrow. Please. <laughs> the, man, the man is the last Hollywood actor that actually draws a crowd to a nonspecific uh, uh, film. Now, he's the only one who has star power. Like, uh, honestly, think about it. Think about it. I don't know. Clooney still will pull if he puts something out. No, 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 no. Clooney's done. Clooney's done nothing but um, mostly indie gigs, low, low, uh, low budget gigs, you know, you know, artistic style movies. Yeah, he did Gravity, but that was still that's still an artistic style Alfonso Cuarón movie. Hail Caesar. Yeah, that was a stylistic artistic movie. That was not a, a high concept. Like, no, but it was absolutely hysterical. <laughs> and the the Fairly brother, not the Fairly. Oh my God, the Coen Brothers. They know that was a Coen Brothers movie, right? I think so. Yeah. The Coen Brothers know how to manipulate a budget. Okay. <laughs> So well, they had a huge cast, so I don't think that they needed to manipulate a budget. No, no, they did. They did. I, I can guarantee you, they did. In I'm order sure, to but that I mean, the cast was profitable. enormous. Yes, true. It's all. It all comes back to scale. So, <laughs> and working, working with the Coens. So, but all right, I saw well, that movie in Key West. Did you? Yeah. Me and Man. the uh, me and the missus went when we were down in Key West, and we both laughed our asses off because of the absurdity. What was the? Well, let's see. That was in 2016. That was the year it came out. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Alden Enreich was in that movie. Yeah, I think that was really kind of like his big break. And wow. he was really good. He, to be honest with you, he was actually like one of the main, you know, stars of the film. I mean, there was so much name power, but he, you follow his character around a lot. Huh. Yeah, I, 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 I would say that that was probably the beginning of his big break. Yeah. I huh. definitely think Solo got sold short, but that's just me. Well, I'll say this, and I think I already said it. Solo, I had no interest in seeing. I didn't need to see the beginning of Solo's, you know, career and whatnot. I had no interest at all. Finally went kicking and screaming into the theater a month after it debuted. Came out going, I want Solo too. <laughs> which, which is kind of redundant, or, you know, Solo too. I know, that's exactly it, right? <laughs> So, solo man, duo. Ex- yeah, it, you could do, yeah, it could be called duo or deuce. Han and Chewie take Han, <laughs> Han and Chewie the Han and Chewie the deuce. <laughs> okay, you know, we've had a lot of great laughs tonight, folks. But I'd like to bring your attention to something very important. Part two of our list. Well, hold on. Capital ships. Hold on. We are now on video. Like, officially published on video. You keep looking at your left hand. I think you need to describe what you did tonight. Well, yeah. uh, It is is a bit distracting. I did. did, Yeah, my apologies, folks. So tonight, uh, I did have a little accident in the kitchen. Spilled some uh, soup on my hand, so it's definitely a little red and angry so please forgive the uh 
the occasional attention and what may uh, appear to be self-treatment during this <laughs> podcast. But to be honest with you, it's throbbing a little bit, so it's not exactly easy to sleep. So No, no one gives a shit about that. They want to know what kind of soup it was. It's none of their damn business. <laughs> Some of it! <laughs> no offense, was it chicken though. noodle? Was it a chicken tortilla? Was it chili? Uh, was it a hey, stew? <laughs> I wish it was chili. It was pretty hot. Damn it, the world will never know. <laughs> no, it is one of the world's great mysteries, my friends. And for that, I must say, carry on. <laughs> all right well i uh, after before you were so rudely interrupted tonight's yeah, yeah. subject please continue part two of our discussion of you know great starships now we are not talking auxiliary craft starfighters and other small ships so things like the millennium falcon and x-wings and other similar type small craft will have their own list another time but tonight we do part two and if you notice there were some things conspicuously absent from last uh episode but first before we dive into what is likely going to be the mother of all discussion topics (laughs) i believe my friend you had something you wish to discuss well it's of ill repute of some variety it's controversial okay um as so many things I, I, we talk about are I did want to bring this up last last time but I uh <laughs> wasn't sure if it would meet your definition that you so delicately foisted upon me right before air which when by the way for that tell you what to do for that podcast by the way wait until the very end just wait until the very end. <laughs> what, do we have, like, mid-credits? Oh, there's a mid-credits scene. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you better be wearing pants, or we have to change the rating on this thing. You know what I've needed to do my entire life. Don't tell me what I need to do. So, <laughs> so anyway, that being said, I'm going to throw the ship out here, because it's different. It's was actually a very um it's a borderline one and it's from farscape the main ship moya it was called moya um so this is on farscape that came out on sci-fi i think it aired on bbc first um notable for jim henson productions or henson productions involvement with the aliens and everything ah well as always plus there that is a plus. It, it was neat to see non-humanoid aliens acting in a very realistic manner, even though you knew they were puppets. But um, the Moya, or they call it Well, Moya, it's not it's, like that hasn't cracked into the social consciousness at all already. With no. little green men. <laughs> this is true. This is true. The original great Muppet sci-fi character. <laughs> Let's Gonzo. see. Little green. Yeah, Gonzo. Well, no, wait. The little green man? No, I was Yoda, of course. Frank Oz. <laughs> a Henson Muppeteer. What the hell? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Gonzo was blue. Come on, you know yes, that. Yes, he is. Blue and purple. With a big nose. So, which actually is very uh, adjustable, apparently. Every single thing you see, uh, he, he, he bends it. Further. Well, and that that's part of the fun. They've never made it straight. You know why? Uh, it's part of the punchline, and every time he <laughs> crashes into something, it's going to get bent anyway? Well, there's a very... <laughs> do, you remember the, do you remember the scene in Toy Story? Uh, at the end of Toy Story 2, when Buzz Lightyear sees Jessie do her acrobatics... For the first time, and his wings pop out. Ah, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> so crass. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Hey, that was a Toy Story joke. 
family family film as wings popped out. That's all I gotta say. Anyway, so Moya is a Leviathan spaceship, notably um, CGI from a 1999 show, which I don't know if we discussed when most ships went to CGI in the late 90s. Well, Babylon 5 did the entire show. We did, and that was was like the first real show that embraced CGI 100%. Next Generation really didn't. Um, Deep Space Nine had... Kept mostly with practical models, I think, until you, they got to the Dominion War. But they only ever used the the uh, CGI Deep Space Nine for the very last shot of the show. That's so the right. Long pullback. Oh, how unceremonious! <laughs> As described expertly in what we left behind. Such a great oh, yeah, documentary. that's right. I need to rewatch that. I've that watched so it like four or five times. And <sighs> I went and bought the, the DVD to see all the extras. They they outlined the entire season eight of Deep Space Nine, didn't they? First episode, really. Was it the first episode? But then they had yes. like an overarching storyline that they could have, you know, yes. fleshed out. Interesting. And those are quality writers, by the way. Those are real writers. So, <laughs> um, anyway, Moya is a living ship. It's an organic ship and is captured by a race called the Peacekeepers. It's a, you know, it's a basically a tyrannical overlord, led by basically John Cena. evil empire. And, well, sort of. And actually, they're all humans. They're all humans that speak with British accents, the Peacekeepers. So <laughs> that's a little Star Wars thing for you. Um, wow, that that is very Star Wars. Yeah. So we've got all the all the humans taking taking advantage over all the other aliens in the, in the galaxy. They enslave the Moya uh, Moya's uh, species. They're highly sought after, and then they also bond them with a pilot. An alien that bonds physically with this ship, and that's the only thing that the ship needs to 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 be piloted. It's a big ship. This is where the controversy came in. You didn't need a crew to pilot the ship or run it. You just needed one pilot that could do a lot of multitasking, an alien level uh, version of multitasking. So that's where the controversy. That's not multitasking. Alien level. We're talking like. Having eight tentacles and being able to manipulate each one independently with the same brain. Well, we shall see. What? All right. So. <laughs> what? I mean, well, we <laughs> don't know see. what aliens are like. <laughs> Do okay. We? No. Well, no, but we shall. What? All right. Um. Anyway, I found the show enjoyable. It notably, it didn't have any weapons. Uh, but it did have Starburst, which allowed the ship to travel at incredible speeds through a terror in space-time, which could technically make it a time traveler, too. I don't know if that was ever explored. I only got halfway through the first season of Farscape, but I liked it a lot. Um, I, I well, suggest you watch it, too. It's on Amazon, I think. Well, we've got a lot. I got a lot of other content to work my way through, so let uh, all the we'll content. See. All the content. Yep. So anyway, so that's my pick for the first round. Well, I I should probably choose yet one more ship um, before we dive headlong into the mother of all ships. But well, it depends on what mother of all ships we're talking about. We we've because... got actually. I think we have two that we should discuss. Okay, the I'm first, fine with that. The, we need to discuss the Orville. Yeah, damn it. We need to discuss the Orville, and then we can discuss uh, another ship that I have uh, suggestions for. So, this ship, and we'll talk to, uh, we'll actually use the Orville to dovetail into the uh, big portion of this, I think, but the... Ship I want to mention is one we've 
actually sort of talked about before. It's from a uh, one-off series that we've already discussed, Space Above and Beyond. And I would like to talk about the Star Carrier Saratoga. Okay. Which We did talk about this ship. Yes, but I'd like to talk just a little bit more about it as we talk capital ships. Because this is truly what it is. You trying to now, show me it, something? No. Okay. Because of my hand, I occasionally have to run it underwater. <laughs> so. It's weird. Your background it's a, doesn't It's a moving show. target tonight, folks. You'll have to bear with me. I'm just trying to, you know, do a little home medication. <laughs> Okay, so the Saratoga, space above and beyond. Basically right. a float, a, a space aircraft carrier. Yes, it's, you can basically see when you look at it, and of course this was entirely CGI too, but uh, when you look at it, you definitely can see where they drew the inspiration from a normal aircraft carrier, or a little bit like a square star destroyer as well, because... It, it, that's kind of a lot what it looked like um, was like a hybrid of a square or a rectangular star destroyer as opposed to that arrowhead that they have mm -hmm. um, with the high tower the executor. yeah kind of in the middle the bridge and the conning tower but similar enough in the shape of like a, a modern day u.s aircraft carrier long and then instead of having the uh, control in the command center off to the side so that it can control the, the flight deck of an aircraft carrier, it's dead center, maybe set a little back, kind of like a Star Destroyer. Um, but it's just a long rectangle. And then mm -hmm. they have chutes, much like Battlestar Galactica, that launch their, their yep. fighters out of. So, mainly, mainly for budgetary reasons, for cinematic items. But it was a cool, it was a cool concept. I liked it. I mentioned that in the the far, uh, not the first, the space above and beyond review. Yes, and one of the things I liked about the Saratoga was that it kind of looks like a natural progression. All stupid. right. Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah that 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 was. Uh, don't add things mid. <laughs> mid thing man unless you're making it part of the deal <laughs> i just took i wore my sunglasses for a second for the night yeah you look like <laughs> someone cosplaying as neo yeah no i looked like tom Lycus. <laughs> you don't know tom Lycus. he's a west coast personality yeah i uh i usually avoid those yeah you should <laughs> Uh, besides which, don't doesn't that grow on trees? Besides, besides weed, what? Uh, oh my God, are we are we a lycus? God damn it! See, this is your freaking humor. You go a little bit beyond the level of what is reasonably expected to be a funny pun. <laughs> hey man, word association humor <laughs> is just another sign of intelligence. Word wordplay is cheap. <laughs> poor wordplay is cheap. That was not poor wordplay. Oh that my god! Required knowledge of science. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It grows on the north side, by the way. So. I think you're getting away from direct sunlight with moss. No, like it grows on the north side. Moss doesn't grow on a specific side of a tree. No. I've definitely seen some on the north side. Yeah, well, moss can do that, but it's lichen that generally does that. Yeah, well, anyway, we're, we're Saratoga, the Saratoga, Saratoga, individual compartments to jump in to, to, to launch the fighters. Yeah, they have like progression tubes. Yep. In, in some ways, Babylon 5 also operated the same way. You know, you could see. Oh, yeah. Now, that was sophisticated. That was they, they were CGI, and that was way ahead of its time. And it, it looked pretty decent. B five. 
Yeah, even now it looks pretty decent it, when you know CGI the, the, the time that it was done. It holds up better compared to a lot of its other CGI contemporaries. Um, but again, the Saratoga and the other ships like them because, you know, again, it was a little bit of a copy and paste. It would be kind of like seeing what would happen if you dropped two or three carrier battle groups into the Gulf or something, which we did. <laughs> but um, there definitely was, uh, you know, uh, a real world comparison. And of course, mm-hmm. that was the U.S. Navy or the U.S. Space Force, but basically it was just the Navy in space, and they were run like a modern-day aircraft carrier, give or take some sci-fi baloney. <laughs> some. And, and fiction on how things actually work in the military. Yes, but, that's true. But still, I'll, I'll say this as, you know, for a show that was trying to compete in the golden age of sci-fi it had a pretty good ship and you know the saratoga had some you know pretty good uh you know anti you know like basically anti-aircraft but anti small craft weaponry on on what would have been the flight deck of a real aircraft carrier and one of my favorite things that always stuck with me about it was anytime they'd come off you know come under attack you know and uh commodore ross would look at people and he'd say you know something along the lines of get that out of my sky or something like that (laughs) yeah it's true it's true tucker smallwood another star trek veteran Oh, you're going to have... I'm going to have to hand him my geek card. Which one was he? He was the Commodore. He was commander of the Saratoga. No, but in Star Trek. He was one of the Zindi. Which one? He was, I think... uh, uh, The Primate uh, 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 or the Mammalian? Yeah, I think he was, uh, you know, uh, a humanoid. A humanoid. Not, not, not an arboreal... Arbor, yeah, Arboil, yeah. So yeah, I think he was he was a humanoid who or like seven Zindi. Yeah, so. <laughs> I think there were five. Well, let's see. There were the flyers that were extinct: the Arboreal, the Reptids, the Insectoids, the Water Ones, and the Humanoids. Am I missing yeah, any? So, so there's so there six. are five left. There were six originally. Okay. Let's split the difference, son. So. Well, that's what we usually do. <laughs> so, yep. All right. I can agree with Saratoga. Good uh, good decision there. Well, and it makes sense that we mentioned some of these ships in these shows we've covered already. Right. Well, I mean, there's a reason why we covered the, sh- the, the shows already. Uh, the right. Iconic at this point. So... For us, anyway. Well, yeah. Well, that's the only and, reason. And now, before we dive headlong back into Star Trek, I think we should take a look at Star Trek Light. The Orville. Mm. The ship, the Orville. <laughs> now, here's my question to you. Do you think Seth MacFarlane was a Star Trek originar- original series fan or a TNG fan? I definitely think it was both because, you know, he got the entire cast of The Next Generation on at least uh, one episode of it. Yes. But, and yeah, believe yeah. me, believe me, that was a night for me. That was an amazing night for me when I realized what he did. Uh, yeah, and he killed Denise Crosby off in the first five minutes. Yeah, he did. But. Wheaton. <laughs> well, Wheaton. However. I think he's more of a TNG fan than he is a TOS fan. I think so. We all have our own favorite Star Trek series. Oh, NCIS this week was all running Star Trek gags. Really? Oh, yeah. Well, Paramount. Oh, okay. 
cross promotion. Okay, I get it. All right. What were they it doing? Was, it, well, they had to go rescue. You know, the team had to go be dropped out in the Atlantic to to rescue uh, to a hostage situation aboard a research ship called the Stargazer. Nice. Okay. And of course, for all of you NCIS fans, if if you watch it, Tim McGee, who's the big nerd. The stepson <laughs> of the creator of the show. They actually mentioned that it was Captain Picard's first show. He did. He's like, oh, it's a Star Trek reference. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the new guy who replaced Gibbs, Gary Cole from Crusade, who's now the new head agent. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I was more of an original series fan. It's like, really? And then later on when McGee makes a, a quote to the director of NCIS, you know, something. I think it was like a Borg reference. He's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, sir. This is a Star Trek reference." And he turns and he goes, "I was always more of a Deep Space Nine fan. No, <laughs> I was always more of a DS Nine fan, which is even better." Oh so my god! Definitely cross promotion, but even more love for DS Nine. Deep cut. Oh yeah. You don't hear much about DS Nine. That's the thing. I mean, you hear about it among the fans, but oh, you don't hear yeah. about it among like pop culture well ds9 is like slowly risen to like the top of the 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 charts the the younger generations who are re-watching or who are just watching the the classic trek series mm-hmm. are getting heavily into deep space nine because they're doing it was the one of the earlier ones to to do serialized storytelling yep it was like designed for streaming platforms this is true this is true but anyway, uh, speaking of streaming platforms, we should roll it back on to former Enterprise cast. Which I think you and I... We lost audio. We lost your audio. Things went weird. Things always go weird. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Well... So former Enterprise crew member... Cast member. Cast member. Seth MacFarlane, who did, guess, who did <laughs> guest star on two episodes of Enterprise. And he had one line. <laughs> yes, sir. He had like one line per show, <laughs> and it's fine. He's a Star Trek nerd who got to geek out and be on Star Trek. Yep. Cheers to that, right? Uh-huh. If we could only be that geeky. Oh, my God. Line. And well, have that power. Chance, he got a chance to make his own Star Trek series, which... I sometimes feel is a little closer to the Trek that you and I grew up with than the new stuff. Sometimes? There's... Sometimes. Well, and look at the sheer amount of Trek veterans who've shown up on the show. Yeah. But we need to do an Orville video after the new season comes out in March. Yes, we do. But actually, we need to cancel our Hulu accounts until right before Hulu comes out. So we can tell Disney we want more Orville. Now, I'm yeah. technically that's true. We need to do that. I would, but I have a gift certificate, so I'm burning <laughs> that for, for this crusade. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Anyway, the Orville, and a neat design, sleek. It's supposed to be like an exploratory class, not a big heavy cruiser. Yeah. But as you notice particularly in that big battle between the Kazon. No, uh, not the Kazon. Between the uh, androids. Yeah, what are they called? Kelvins or something? It was no. it was like a K-something, too. Kason? The K? No. They're really we... racist. <laughs> well, they're, they're essentially kind of like the Borg. Let's see the Orville season two. Uh, Firestorm, which is fit for job. Firebreaks. No, nope, that's not it. What the hell? Season. Oh, we want some bitch. Okay, uh, keep going. Keep talking. I'll, I'll figure it out. Between the android species and, and the union. Yep. Which, you know, you got to love that he used the union. Every single, 
every single Star Trek fan that wrote fan fiction in space <laughs> used yeah. the Union. Kalons. The Kalons. Yep, Kalons. Yep. There they are. But right there. if you remember in that big fight scene between... Just the walk the, in the, the park, Kowalski. Well... Kazansky. If you if you paid attention, the Orville and all the other Union ships basically looked alike. They were just varying in size. Yes, this is true. Which was disappointing. It was kind of like how uh, in the last episode of Picard's first season, they basically had copy and paste the same starship with minor differences. The clone here, tool. There. Yeah, yeah, it was it's a little disappointing. I mean, one of the things that was great about Deep Space Nine's battles was that you, even though there was only like five starships that you got to see, there was at least five distinct designs. <laughs> this is true. Whereas, and a lot of different movement, too, so you couldn't really... The Orville itself, which is supposed to be like a smaller, more science vessel, with its three nacelle kind of formation, yep. it's neat. I like it. Uh, it's sleek, which I do like. Um, it's comfortable inside. It feels like a, a hotel. Galaxy-class starship. Mm-hmm. It's a lot like the Enterprise-D on the inside. You know what drives me nuts? The bridge doesn't have a door. It's just an open air... Like, you just walk into the bridge. There's no door. A huge hallway behind it. I mean, and they can see that the bridge is watching Seinfeld. So. <laughs> well. Anyway, the Orville itself. I mean, it's it's a pretty, you know, it, it's taken quite a bit of beating for a smaller ship. You know, didn't it lose two nacelles at some point uh, at during the Kalon attack? Yeah. Well, it it's taken beatings before because it's yeah. not really a warship. But no. it's kind of like, in some ways, it's almost like Voyager. The small, more science-focused ship that ends up mm -hmm. becoming critical. You know, obviously it's not a big, you know, impressive galaxy-class starship. Not even a, a feisty warship like the Defiant. No, this is true. But it, it, it does move well. It's, uh, the design is nice. Just be nice if the union varied up their designs just a little bit. How else well, are you going to sell more products? <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that they've been able to license uh, the Orville toys. Have you looked? Because I haven't even thought to look for that. No, I haven't. But, you know, if there was one way to convince the studio to spend a little extra money just to not have the same <laughs> ship copy and paste it, that'd be one way to do it. Uh, you know, but again, for it for its size, it it's a pretty sophisticated ship. Yes. I just had a thought. Go I ahead. feel like I feel like CGI is both a blessing and a curse. Yes. It's a blessing in the sense that it makes things look so good and so realistic, very very real. There's a sense of realism there that you never could achieve in most other circumstances. Well, however, yeah, it allows you to do things that you probably can't do practically. True. And I just I will forward you over to the Hobbit trilogy for that. But when CGI is done cheaply, it is and I'm not talking about it looks fake. You can just tell when they really cut back on the budget with the CGI when you see the same models. Yeah, it does. Like the get... ships. Or like with uh, uh, Discovery Season 4 with them using all the same forest sets, the CGI forest sets. Like, <laughs> because there's apparently no cities anymore in, in Discovery. So well, and don't forget, you know, even in the volume in Star Wars TV shows, 90% of the places they go are desert planets now. Well, okay, so Boba Fett is there. And Mandal the Mando, he 
created ties on on uh, Tatooine. Right, but he'd been to Tatooine in a couple episodes, but then the original episode where he found Baby Yoda was pretty much a desert world. Well, the, they had the galaxy's Jakku. a very dry place, man. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently it is, because Jakku was a desert world. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, really. It, <laughs> Lucasfilm just has a big hard-on for the desert. And as a guy who spent a lot of time in the desert, I don't approve. No, you don't approve. <laughs> Get the fuck out of the desert. <laughs> Screw that. Bring uh, me back to the, the redwood forest of, of you know, Endor. West Coast, you know, or <laughs> and the forest even moon the of frozen Endor. tundra, the frozen t- with the ice spiders. Oh my god! No, fuck those things. Yeah, that was. I'll take that's the, any day, man. That is the one episode I will not rewatch. By the way. That gave yeah. me such By anxiety. Way, you know, <laughs> at least, you know, can sci-fi get back to having, you know, um, planets with multiple uh, ecosystems on it? Can we no, do it's that? A running, it's a running gag in Star Wars that it's a single ecosystem world. Right. I know. It's ridiculous. I, anyway, I, I, I know. We need to discuss the Orville so we can shift gears to the... The, the real champs of this list. What else is left to discuss about the Orville? We love it. We oh, love we the talk- ship. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a TNG. It's a TNG inspiration. Well, just making sure there wasn't anything I missed. You know, they do folk. They have shuttles. You know, they they have a bar. It's very much. They got a like nice that. bar. A good 10 forward. Yeah, but I think this one's actually a real bar. It could be a real bar with Seth MacFarlane being there. He's not yeah. a morning person. Let me put it that way. <laughs> so, anyway, we say Orville good? Orville great. All right. Well, we've talked about them. We've hinted at them. You can't do a sci-fi list on ships without talking about the Big E's. The Big E's. Yep. Enterprise. Ecstasy? You really are a California. <laughs> That was cheap. I'm sorry. I apologize. I need to go in my corner and hang out. <laughs> so but that's where you were. It kind of is actually. So yeah, I left. I left uh, Mac Jr. by himself in front of the television watching Transylvania Four. So you know he Fair gets enough. to do that by himself for the last hour and a half. So well, when you look at it. We can start all the way chronologically our time or chronologically. I think we need to start chronologically. Uh, I think we need to go with what our favorite enterprises are. Well, let's just lay them all out, okay? We'll start. You got the, NO, the NX-01 from yep. Enterprise, 22nd century. Then you jump to the NCC-1701 original Enterprise from... The original series, 1966. The Enterprise A from the movie era. Which, by the way, did they do a re... Did the motion picture take place two years after the five-year mission ended? It took... So, it... The five-year mission ended. And it was like... I think the movie takes place... Like, the last episode of... The original series was in like 2269 and the uh the it's movie 20, takes place in like 72 2272 70 or 71 okay it's only like a year or two's difference so that's weird that they chose to do that well they were trying i think they were just trying to keep the continuity a little tight you know it's it's funny even a lot of people have been reappraising the animated series and have been starting to call it like season four, basically, of the original series. But for the most part, yeah, it's only a couple of years after the end of the original series. Okay. The, so, the motion picture. So, so you've got, got the, the refit, refit a, version. Uh, the refit. Yep. And then you have the Enterprise A from Voyage Home onward. The Enterprise B. Excelsior class from Generations. 
That's the only time you see it. The Enterprise C, the Ambassador class from one of the great episodes Yesterday's of Star Enterprise. Trek, Yesterday's Enterprise. The Enterprise D from the original, uh, from the Next Generation and Generations. Enterprise E from the rest of the TNG movies. Yep. And that's where we'll stop because everything else is all conjecture. Conjecture. Yep. So mm. I just realized there is one more enterprise that they did have that I think bears mentioning from Star Trek The Voyage Home, the aircraft carrier USS Enterprise. Oh, that's true. But no, we're not going to mention that. Which actually was the USS Ranger because the Enterprise was at sea at the time. It, but, it was it was fitting that they they went to the Enterprise to milk radiation to re recrystallize the dilithium crystals because at the end of the Enterprise's commission, the the aircraft carrier, basically you almost had to get a radiation bath after getting off of the damn thing. Well, the original <laughs> the, the USS Enterprise CVN. 65 was like the first nuclear powered carrier right and boy did you need a radiation bath after that (laughs) i remember i remember reading interviews with people going yeah i if i had a choice i wouldn't go back on that ship (laughs) and yet by the end of its tour there was a entire petition in the U.S. Navy, from all sorts of veterans groups, you've got to have another enterprise in the pipeline. Oh, yeah. They have served with distinction mm-hmm. throughout United States and Federation history. <laughs> Federation future history, but yes. So, um... All right, okay. so let's say we, we've talked about, we've mentioned all of them. So you said you wanted to talk about what your favorite was. I do. Enterprise D. Well, yeah, that that stands to reason. Enterprise D is my favorite. It's they they say it's the most sophisticated out of all the starships. They don't include they they mentioned in first contact that the sovereign class was the most sophisticated, but I'm gonna hand wave that away because we didn't really get to see that. But we did get to see the D in action for seven seasons against a whole bunch of models from the movies. <laughs> Particularly the Excelsior class and the Miranda class and the O'Birth class. The O'Birth class, that's right. Um, my bad. Uh, Definitely was the most sophisticated, most streamlined looking one. It looked solid. You know, aside from the nacelle parts. Um, Voyager. The neck was thicker than than the uh, uh, Constitution class. Yeah, Yeah, you're absolutely right. Right, which would account for um, gravitational stressing. Yeah. So... It had an ass ton of phaser banks. Do you know how many phaser banks the thing had? Uh, something like a dozen. No, let's see. There was four on the aft, another on the belly. I think don't there were forget, two they on added the dorsal. For the movies too. Yeah, and there were two on the dorsal part of the battle section, and then one on the top on the dorsal, and one on the the belly for the saucer. So I think there was at least eight, maybe nine. Crazy, a lot of phaser banks, which we didn't get to see all of. I mean, it was cool when we saw four phaser banks firing at the same time against the Borg when they said fire all weapons. Yeah, you know, uh, it was also kind of part battleship, part science ship, part convention center. Yes. This is true. Um, I also want to add, it was practically a character in and of itself. Now, uh, I'm going to reference, jeez, I'm trying to find it. It's a season four episode where the Enterprise became sentient and alive. And then basically had a baby. Do you remember that episode? No, I think that's some fan fiction. 
No, 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 no. It did. It did. Was it attached? No, it wasn't attached. It wasn't force of nature. Not parallels. You're in season seven, man. It is season seven. I said season seven. You said season four. Yeah, and again, I've been the one who's drinking and, and using pain medication. Starship mine, frame of mine. Oh, man. Well, I'll have to look it up. Uh, anyway. So, I mean, when that episode happened, I mean, it, it, it something with the computer system caused it to become, like, super sentient and... and, and uh, aware it didn't talk to anyone but you suddenly saw that it acted with purpose against regular commands and it collected certain things and then it went to a certain area and they realized that the enterprise was basically spawning and it created a new life form in the holodeck that's what it was they created a new life form in the holodeck which became real are you D. getting it confused with Moriarty or something? No, no, no. Although I did talk to Mac Jr. about that the other day. Oh. Alpha Emergence. That's the episode. <sighs> Season 7, episode 23. Emergence. Wow, really? It was that late? Anyway, that had a special special uh, place in my heart because it felt like that the, the character that was always in the background suddenly came to prominence, right? And the crew was Miles like, oh, wow, this has been here. Stop it. Stop it. I'm not Stop wrong it. either, though. <sighs> anyway. So that that's that that was, like, one of my motivations as to why I think the, the Enterprise D is the best. Um, it was a true character. Yeah, and, well, I mean, it's the one we saw the most time with. Yeah, when it, when it boils down to, I mean, you get what was it? Uh, what was the original series? 79, 80, 80 episodes, roughly, pretty much. Yeah, and then um, plus three, three movies, three movies, which also brought me to the Enterprise A, where we only saw the Enterprise A truly functional in one movie. Yeah. <laughs> because it was a both we saw it as a cameo in uh, star trek 4 it was a bucket of bolts in star trek 5 nothing worked absolutely no sense <laughs> there's nothing a lot worked. of things about star trek 5 that doesn't make sense well there's a lot of things about star trek that don't make sense oh we're just gonna go around neptune and come back walk around the park everyone uh there's no ships in the area <laughs> The Enterprise B is the only one that's You're available. The heart of the fucking Federation. There better be a few ships in the area. I mean, for the love of God. Can you get? Can you send the Mars fleet, please? Like, just just send them. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was Star Trek VI where the Enterprise A was the only time it was fully functional and reliable, and it was like its old self. Time had passed. Yep. It was well self. lived in. Redressed setting of the Enterprise D. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. The engine compartment, uh, the dining compartment, yeah. the a lot transporter room. Yep. A lot of it. We we I just covered kitchen. that. Just stop. Um, ten forward. Ugh, you jackass. <laughs> so anyway. All right, so I brought that up. Anyway, please continue. Your input, please. Well, you know, I, you don't, we barely see the Enterprise B and the Enterprise D, or uh, uh, C, C, right? Um, and to be honest with you, I mean, you've seen some Excelsior classes before, but you've never really seen much in the way of an ambassador class, which, you know, was kind of designed to be the uh like the Cerritos the, the next evolution between the uh because we went from like the constitution class 
and their kind of variants to the Excelsior class in the movies, and then you skip 80 years to the next generation. So the Ambassador class was definitely shown to be that technological bridge yep. between the the late 23rd century and where we end up the beginning of the next generation. So I thought it was a pretty good uh, design. Um, the, the Enterprise C. The C. The B was a, yeah. was an Excelsior, which was, had already been seen in like a couple of movies before then. And, you know, like every other episode of The Next Generation in Deep Space Nine. True. That one companion ship that, that, that goes to the flank <laughs> every time. <laughs> but obviously they made they tried to make the Enterprise E look a lot like all those ships they were making the ships they were capable of fighting the Borg they were capable of fighting the Dominion which of course they all fought the Borg stouter body fought the Dominion (laughs) yeah yeah I think at best you saw a handful of Akira class starships and the Defiant and that was about it from like the next level of fighting the you know the all the ships that were designed to fight the Borg at least on screen in Deep Space Nine, never seemed to fight the Dominion. <laughs> yeah, this is true. This is true. Uh, okay, can I do a quick side side note? Yes. When the when all of the Federation allies were checking in as they were coming up on Cardassia Prime, or was the Chintaka system, and they're about to yeah. retake the Chintaka system. Yeah. Wouldn't it have been awesome if you heard over the comm system? This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard, Enterprise-E, checking in. Engaged. Yeah, That's he all they to. needed to do. That's all they needed to do. It would have been like, yeah! It wouldn't have been hard to get Jonathan Frakes to do it, I think. This is Commander William T. Riker of the USS Enterprise. That's yeah. all they needed. Because, you know what? You might not have been able to get Patrick Stewart, but you know you could have gotten Jonathan Frakes. You could have gotten Jonathan Frakes, yes. No, not well, he was, breaks because he was directing half of these episodes. I, I know that's what I was gonna say. He was in the next room over editing the previous episode, so. <laughs> like... oh, and he already had guest starred on Deep Space Nine. He's guest starred yeah. on like every show. No, this is the, the that's exactly it. It's not a knock. I was about to say that. So he needs it would to have been like pretty sweet, wouldn't have? Footage put in, in Discovery at some point, just so he can continue his streak. Oh, I know. Yeah, archival footage and discovery. That would be interesting. Hey, Jesus. they did it with Spock. Yeah. Yeah, they did. Huh. And they oh, fucked shoot. up Enterprise using them. Huh? The last episode of Enterprise. It was terrible. Oh, using Riker. Yeah. Riker, Troy. <laughs> we were talking about Spock, and then you just jumped back to Riker? Like, how am As I supposed to? always. Jesus. But, but yes. Yeah. Um, the Enterprises. I think, you know, the D was the one we grew up with, the one we were most comfortable with. But I really did like the E. And I and, and I like the A more than the or I like the refit anyway, more than the original series. Because I actually kind of got into the movies before I got into the original series. Kind of, because hmm. they were you know being shown on TV. I I do like the refit design. Yep. Okay. No, Kel- and I no disrespect for the Kelvin Universe movies because they were entertaining. I didn't like their enterprises. No, I didn't like them either. I mean, the themselves uh, looked like baguettes. They did. Know? And not poor and poorly made ones as well. And it looked too uh, flowery, like with the 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 the, the connections to the nacelles. It was they were bowed yeah, out. It, it, so we're talking it, it prime look, universe here. The, yeah. the ships we're talking. So the Enterprise, uh, the refit movie ones, I was a big fan of. Um, I also liked the uh, Ambassador class. Uh, Enterprise C, and I like the Enterprise E. I thought they were really good. I mean, they all have their values, right? Ooh, ooh, I'll be right back. But I'm talking. I'm still here. You know, and the NX-01 definitely looked like kind of a proto-Federation starship. They all have their their values. 
I just wish we saw a little bit more of the Enterprise E, to be honest with you. More of it, more stuff inside it, more people on it. It would have been nice. It, it was would have uh, been nice. Well, I know they were hoping that Nemesis wasn't going to be the last movie, but, you know. It was I a, don't know. It were they? A, they they kind of wrote it as the last movie. Yeah, but I'm sure if it had gotten huge box office, you know, something would have come from it. There was discussion oh, of... Oh, see it. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. remember this puppy? Oh, yeah. Full yeah, die-cast yeah. metal. Enterprise-E. Uh, you, you know what was pretty kind of neat that was a little weird? But <laughs> the Enterprise-D and all good things with the three nacelles and the phaser cannon and everything. Oh, you had that full model. Or yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. It wasn't a model. It was a... Right. You could change it from, you know, the TV era to the... You know, alternate future version. Yep. Of the shit, which was neat. Yep. I kind of liked it. And I got I the A some. right here. Yeah. Enterprise A, direct from the Smithsonian Institute in Washington D.C. Uh, I had a mutual friend of ours back in eighth grade purchase one for me because my original one broke. I played with it too hard. <laughs> well, Raising. the nacelles here. Damn it, they're, Archer! They're, they're plastic. So it broke off. It like it fell. It fell off, and my one of my brothers stepped on it or something. So, right. Yeah. So the nacelles are plastic, but the 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 body and the saucer section are diecast metal. Yeah, I think I've seen those. Oh, you've seen it. You don't. You don't think you've seen it. You've seen it. Uh, well, anyway. it's a, kind of a white blur to me in the lighting. By the way, the fact that I was able to find these things so sh in such short order. Just shows how much re uh, uh, revelry I have for these things. <laughs> Reverence. Reverence. Revelry would be a party, my man. Both. They're both. Revelry and reverence. So. Right, fair enough. So, you know, uh, the Enterprises have been pretty... Oh, and it splits too, by the way, the Enterprise D. You remember that, right? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah. See, this thing is it's so ugly the battle section. It is. <laughs> Just a bad design. They could have done better with it. So but anyway. Your favorite enterprise is the D. I love the D. I love it. I'm going to say I think my favorite design is the <laughs> E. Because the E was sleek. It looked like it had teeth. Honestly, it also looked like it could handle a punch a little better than most of the others. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, actually, the Excelsior class looks like it could take a bit of a hit, too, because it doesn't have a huge neck. The Enterprise and Discovery just looked like a, a juiced-up version of the original. It the was. With, with more detail. It was pretty. I have a book about that, by the way, where they talked about how it underwent a refit um and then reef it back to to the TOS version. Uh, I'm like, really? The book the, they're really trying to tell me this. Um uh, there's a lot of people who are trying to make up for this weird discovery technology gap thing. Oh, they're they're doing their damn best. And a lot of uh, it I think is that why they threw that stupid control uh plot at the end of season two. Oh, yeah. The AI taking over everything, so we have to drop our technology back it's like yeah. i saw that it's battlestar galactica battlestar galactica it's the borg i mean it's everything i mean it, all of its technology ai technology that was the plot with the the uh, picard season one ai mm -hmm. technology uh you know boom next it's going to be about fascists in space well yes there's plenty so, of that yeah star wars yeah <laughs> but Look, Picard season two. So, well, I'll say this: uh, I did see the latest Picard trailer. It looks pretty interesting. It looks pretty entertaining, and uh, so was the uh, trailer for Moon Knight. So that looked interesting. Yes, Moon Knight looked really good. Looked looks really like good. Batman off of his meds. That's what it looks like. <laughs> well, he is basically the Marvel version of Batman. So, and there was a Von Doom. Easter egg in that. Did you know that? No, but I'm sure it's coming. 
Oh, it is definitely coming. Well, anyway, Mac, I think as we should start rounding up, I think as far as the enterprises go, they kind of are the gold standard. Yes. I mean, we know that you you name drop Enterprise and somebody goes, was that Star Trek? And there you go. Sci-fi. Everybody knows it. It's been Mm -hmm. historically uh, a proud ship in the U.S. Navy. But so the Enterprise is most definitely a very well-known name. To play on that. Iconic. To play on that, yes. No other ship outside of Star Trek can be named the Enterprise. And case in point, in Stargate SG-1, when the Prometheus is stolen, the Prometheus was its test name, right? At the end, when they get the Prometheus back, uh, Captain Carter goes to (laughs) uh, Richard Dean Anderson, and she goes, sir we can't name it the Enterprise. And he's like, oh, why not? (laughs) So it it was a nice tongue-in-cheek Star Trek reference in a sci-fi show, which, you know, I mean, they used a lot of stuff from Star Trek anyway, like beaming technology. They just called it beaming technology. But um, that was was a fun little reference. And you're right. I mean, the Enterprise is the gold standard to the sci-fi ship. Like, you're not going to get a better, more, uh, uh, how shall I say, representation of sci-fi than that. I think the next level down is Millennium Falcon, because you name drop that and somebody go, is that like Star Wars or something? Yeah, yeah. But you're right. I, I, think, I think the Enterprise trumps the Millennium Falcon in sci-fi name quality. So. Mm-hmm. Well, it rolls off the tongue a little easier. Yup. <laughs> you know, it pops up occasionally if you watch, you know, your keep track of the U.S. Navy. Oh, and by the way, the rental car company is actually named because the original founder had served on the Enterprise. Yup. That's so, right. Booyah. Booyah. So, I think we need to wrap this up at this point. What do you think? I think we do. I think I don't think we can get any bigger than that. So, with that in mind, that sounds like the ultimate end. So, until next time, everyone, you guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. P.S. McKay, out. This is D.T. Catman. Feel the burn, and we'll see you on the high ground. Nice. <laughs>